Good morning, everybody. So we begin the season of Advent today. And Advent is one of those words that as Catholics we're very used to, but probably don't think about the origin or the meaning of the word. Actually, the word is, Advent is a Latin translation of the Greek word parousia, P-A-R-O-U-S-I-A, which was used during the time of Christ to talk about, or meant arrival, but specifically to talk about the arrival of a king or a state official. And so the Latin translation went to Advent. So when we talk about Advent, we are talking about the advent of Caesar, the advent of a king coming into a certain territory. So you can see the logic of how it would apply to Jesus during the season of Advent. We are preparing for the advent, for the arrival of Christ the King at Christmas. But the truth is, as you heard, I think, in the readings today, and as you will hear in the preface to the Mass, we are, during Advent, not just preparing for the arrival of Jesus at Christmas, that's the first coming of Christ, but we are also preparing for his second coming when he comes at the end of time. And that's why we heard that first reading where Jesus talks about his second coming, which in church theology, we do use the Greek word parousia, the return, the second coming of Jesus. And so what I want to do today is talk a little bit about how we, during the season of Advent, can prepare for the arrival of Christ. Whether it be at Christmas, or more importantly, for his second coming, for his parousia. And so the scriptures today, particularly the second reading and the gospel, lay it out pretty clear what is the best way to prepare for Christ's arrival is to make sure that we are living morally upright lives, that we're not given over to the ways of the flesh, nor should we be given over to uh, sinful other types of behavior, lest that day, that arrival, catch you off guard. And so it seems, from what Scripture says, the best way to do it is by stopping living that life in the flesh. And but here is the struggle. We can often say, hey, I have every intention of doing so, but we find ourselves falling back into the same sin. I'm not talking about sins of weakness, but I'm talking about a certain lifestyle, the life of the flesh, the party lifestyle. Often we could call it a life of intemperance. And I see this a fair amount, as you might imagine. And I'll tell people, hey, quit hanging around with these types of individuals. Quit spending the night at your girlfriend's house. Put a filter on your computer. Take the beer out of your house. I can talk about these things that we need to limit our access to the things that lead us to sin. This is avoiding the near occasion of sin. But recently, I thought about a different approach. And when people come to me and sort of go off that list of sins that many of them like to commit, again, I'm not talking necessarily about sins of weakness, but a deliberate lifestyle that is really contrary to the Christian calling, begin to ask a different question. 
Once they go over that litany, I will ask, tell me, do you have a certain amount of time, at least 15 minutes a day, set aside special for prayer? Not saying a few prayers in the morning, not praying your rosary on the way to work, but a time set aside that is dedicated just to prayer and just to the Lord. And as you might imagine, nine times out of ten, the answer is no. And so it really sort of dawned on me. When I talk about, or when we talk about, hey, give up this sin, not saying that it's bad, we're really putting the cart before the horse. You cannot live a Christian life. You cannot avoid sin, particularly in the culture we live in today, if you don't have a prayer life, if you are not connected to the Lord. Because what happens is, as the gospel says, when you give yourself over to that lifestyle, you often get what Jesus calls that drowsy heart, or what I call you're spiritually anesthetized. You just start going through the motion. And sin and guilt doesn't have the same impact on you. And so what's the best way to light that fire is by drawing close to the flame. And we're only going to really do that by a serious prayer life. Not saying prayers, as important as that is, but really finding communion with the Lord. And so what I'm going to say is during this Advent season and really for the rest of our lives, the best way to prepare for the coming of Jesus, yes, is to give up sin. But more importantly, as Christians and Catholics, to have a dedicated prayer life, which means a certain time of prayer, at least 15 minutes, I think, a day, dedicated to communion with the Lord. But here's the other issue. I think everyone in here hopefully will agree with that. They're going to say, yes, Father, as Catholics, we need to pray and have a better prayer life. But the problem people face is, I know that, but where do I start? I kind of know what prayer is, but where do I begin? And from my experience, a lot of people don't begin that journey of prayer because they don't even know how to start. And so what I want to do today is offer some pretty concrete advice of where a prayer life ought to begin and where we can begin specifically as sort of an Advent practice preparing for Christmas. And some of this advice comes from Cardinal Ratzinger, who I have been quoting a fair bit lately. And I'm going to offer three concrete things. The first is this, and it's probably the most practical. We've got to make time for prayer. Make time for prayer. A certain amount of the day which is consecrated, which is set apart only for prayer and only for God, where we are going to give that time back to the Lord. And this is something that we as Catholics should be pretty used to. We divide the whole entire year up into certain different sections that are dedicated to the Lord in different ways. We've begun a new section, Advent, which is a very specific time of the year, a sacred season that leads to Christmas and Christmas time, another very sacred and unique time of the year. So if we can break up the whole entire year, we ought to be able to do the same thing with our day. To take a certain section and remove it, just like we do it during the week. Our time on Sunday is a sacred time set apart 
for worship and for relaxation. And this gets to a distinction that goes back to the early church and gives me a chance to talk a little bit more Greek here, even though I don't know Greek for anything, is the distinction they make between chronos, our English word chronology comes from that, and kairos. Chronos is purely secular time. We look on our clock, we know it's there, what we do, how we work, how we live. But kairos, or kairotic time, is time that is set aside for God, possibly more specifically, where God interacts and works in time. And so, in a certain sense, we as Christians believe that all of time has been sanctified because Jesus has become in a man in our world. God, the Son of God, has become incarnate. But we need to have that chirotic time, that time set aside during the year and our day that is specifically for the Lord. And so you can use your planner. You can use your Google Calendar. You've got to make it a priority. We have time to eat. We have time to sleep. But as Christians, if we are not praying every day, and again, not just mouthing off prayers, but really setting aside time for the Lord and only for him, we're not going to be able to breathe. Number two, Ratzinger says, the best way that prayer starts is with two words. And the two words, again, Greek words, it seems to be a theme, Kyrie eleison. We say it at Mass all the time. Lord, have mercy. And why does he say this is where prayer should begin? First is because it's a petition. We are asking the Lord to have mercy on us. But in doing so, in making that petition, we're admitting something. We're admitting that in our lives and our existence, something is lacking. We are sinners. We're not perfect. We need the Lord's help. We struggle to live a holy life. We struggle to believe. Ultimately admitting that we are not God. And by admitting that, our own brokenness, our own not being God is where prayer can begin. Because if we think we're self-sufficient, we don't need prayer. We don't need to ask for mercy or for help. But when we admit that we need the Lord's mercy, not only are we admitting our own imperfection, but we're also giving praise and worship to God and saying, Heavenly Father, you are almighty, you are all-powerful, you can forgive, you can save, you can offer me assistance. And so, by calling out, Lord, have mercy, we not only grow in humility, we also offer worship to the Lord. And so it could be just simply beginning that time of prayer, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Or, Lord, I'm not perfect, I need your help. We can admit with our words, or even with that time set aside, that we need the Lord's assistance. And third and finally, and I think probably most importantly, spending this time and asking, Lord have mercy, is important. But prayer is not about words. Prayer is ultimately not about thoughts or concentration. We're not Buddhists here. The best type of prayer is being silent, not saying anything. In a certain sense, cutting ourselves off from the chaos of the world, we hear a lot about how we need silence. But speechlessness, 
not saying anything, not being busy about prayer, and just sitting and resting. Wasting time with the Lord can become the ultimate form of prayer. Just learning to be silent and to be quiet. I've talked about it before. So many people say, I don't pray well because I'm distracted or I didn't really focus or I didn't do enough. You don't need to impress the Lord. All you need to do is show up and say, Lord, have mercy. I love you and remain silent for 15 minutes just in the presence of Christ. We don't need prayer to be activity. Prayer fundamentally is receptivity. It's not what we do or what we give but what the Lord gives to us. And so you can almost imagine it, that you are out there on the, the, the operating table. The person who's being operated on is silent, is quiet. But guess what happens? The doctor works on you. In the same way, when we are silent in the presence of the Lord, for that 15 minutes or longer, we've got to believe that Christ, the Spirit, is working to transform our lives. And so Ratzinger says, if we do this, if we maintain speechlessness, silence in prayer, we will see that this silence changes. It's going to become something different and that the silence changes us. And this is so important because of the season of Advent where we know that Jesus comes in silence, hidden, in quiet, not with a bunch of fanfare activity. And so if we can maintain silence, we believe Christ will come and be born into our souls. And so that is my encouragement or my challenge during this time of Advent, to take these three things, making time for prayer, going there and admitting our own sinlessness and asking for the Lord's mercy, and finally being silent. We can commit to that every single solitary day. I cannot promise you that on Easter, uh, Christmas morning you're going to wake up and be the Blessed Virgin Mary. That's not going to happen. Nor am I going to say you're going to get the stigmata or become super, super holy. But I can tell you something's going to change. It may be small. It may be simply a greater desire for prayer. But if we as Christians and Catholics truly want to be prepared for Christmas more importantly, for the second coming and the judgment, the most important fundamental thing that we can do is develop a real, genuine prayer life, and that journey can begin this Advent. Amen.